What's up, y'all? This is part two of What Sibling Rivalry, the podcast, virtual wine tasting with Paula Harrell of Paula Harrell Wines. This is also still part of our one-year anniversary special. Yep, it's still going. It is still going. Now, the Riesling and the Rosé both go in the refrigerator after opening, or they don't have to, or? They do. So Riesling and Rosé, you both want to chill. You want them both okay. chill. So you keep those both chilled at all times. Now, I'm glad you asked this question. Now, these, the, the Riesling has a cork, mm-hmm. um, but the Rosé has a screw cap, so you can just put this one back in there. If you are not one of those people that finishes the entire bottle at one time, you can always get one of these nifty little gadgets. It's a vacuum. They call it a vacuum. Oh. Little piece, little rubber piece, and it goes in the top. And you just do this until oh. it clicks a little bit. And that will take all the air out of it, so it'll last a little longer. So you oh. Can Where do you find those? Where do you find you that little gadget? You can get it on Amazon. You can get them at BevMo. You can get them anywhere. Just ask. It's just a wine vacuum. And, uh, and how much do they usually run? I think five, ten dollars. I mean, they're oh, really not even feasible. ten. Dollars. Okay. Oh, that's in budget. Oh, you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. Because no, because uh, a friend of mine was talking about some device that you can put on the wine and it goes through the cork and you can pour it out and then it seals on the way out or something. And it was like two hundred and fifty dollars. So that's a Coravin, and I started, yes. I started to bring out the Coravin, um, but it's basically, that's what it's called, a Coravin, and they have a few different variations of them, and mm-hmm. basically what it does is the needle, and the needle goes through the cork into the wine, and it'll just pull, you, you, I forget how you do it, but you like squeeze it, and you have your wine glass underneath it, and it pours out the wine, but it never opens it, it never lets any air into it. So the problem with having open wine bottles is the air getting to it, and eventually, mm it'll aerate and it'll be, you know, be old. So th- there's no air that ever gets to it. So you could oh, have okay. a bottle of wine that you just drink on for a year if you wanted to, because there's never ever any air getting into it. So sometimes like if you have a really nice, you know, reserved bottle of wine that's, you know, vintage and you don't want to drink all of it yet, you want to savor it. It's great to have something like a, a carbon mm. because then you don't have to open it up and drink it all at one time. Or, and what was this device you had called? This one's a called wine a vacuum. vacuum? Yep. Wine yeah. vacuum. Okay. Exactly. Now, Paula, you know how you just do things because people say to do it. So we always put the white wine in the refrigerator and mm-hmm. not the red wine. But why is that? Like, what's the reason behind why you refrigerate white and then you don't do that with red because of the way it's uh you're supposed to drink it so white wines and rosés are meant to be they're meant to be um to drink them cold and chilled and red wines are meant to be there are actually a few red wines that are meant to be drinking chilled as well um but mainly you drink red wines room temperature so red wines have a different um uh kind of makeup to them, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, there's a word that I'm looking for that I'm missing right now, but components, it's made up mm-hmm. a little bit differently than a white wine is. Mm-hmm. And so the way it, it's better, it, you taste the flavors better out of a red, red wine when it's room temperature or slightly chilled. Whereas a white wine, you'll taste white or, or a rosé, you taste the flavors better when it's chilled. And it just okay. tastes, it just yeah so it makes sense now here's the thing if you have a red wine and you don't want to you don't finish it and maybe it's like you know warm day or whatever it it doesn't hurt to put red wine in the refrigerator to help preserve it because you don't want the temperatures to fluctuate like you never want temperatures to fluctuate on any of the wines really you want to keep it the same 
all the whole time you have it. But like I said, if you're somewhere, you're traveling, the place is hot, whatever it is, keep the red wine in the refrigerator so that it won't, um, it won't get um, oxidized. Oh, like fermented? Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And you never want wine to get heated. So you don't want to leave it in your, your, your trunk. If you go mm -hmm. wine tasting, get a little cooler and put it in the back and in the trunk and keep all your wine's chilled in there because if the heat gets to them, then they're going to be no good. Even if they've never been open? Pardon? Even if they've never been open, it'll still mess them up? Yeah, the heat. The heat will oh. change the composition. Mm. That's what I was trying to say earlier, the composition of it. And so then it'll taste like vinegar, especially the red. Oh. The, right. the red you might be able to get away with a little bit, but the red you won't be able to get away with. Oh. Yeah. Is that why people's wine cellars are in, that's why they have them in the cellar? Yes. Those exactly. Oh. Mm -hmm. you have to keep it at a certain temperature, right? Gotcha. Exactly. All right. So. Nice. I like the rosé, too. Oh, good. It's good. light. Mm -hmm. It's refreshing. It's really refreshing. Yeah. Um, so the last one that I'm pouring for you guys today, this is my, like, baby, baby. And this, the reason I say this is because when I told you that story at the beginning about how I blended those wines at the dinner table, Mm -hmm. Again, you guys, nobody's supposed to do that, um, <laughs> but I did. Uh, it was a petite Syrah Zinfandel, and that's what this wine is. So oh. when I decided to make wine, the first thing I thought of was I'm going to make a, wine, a Zinfandel with petite Syrah blended into it. So uh, this one is called 315, and again, another story. So I was raised um, on a street called Santa Ana Avenue in San Francisco, and it was taken by an Argentinian wine company. Uh, the name Santa Ana. And so I thought, you know, again, not trying to follow the rules. So I was telling my, my attorney, well, can I name it Santa Ana Avenue? Can I say Santa Ana San Francisco? Like he was like, there cannot be any Santa Ana. <laughs> so I finally settled on taking the numbers of the house and naming it oh. 315. But then That's clever. he got me, right? But then he said I was allowed to tell a story and say Santa Ana on the back of the label. So on the back of the label, I tell my whole story about Santa Ana. And the reason it was so important is my mother is an immigrant from Panama. My father mm -hmm. is um, American from Oklahoma. They met and married in San Francisco in the 50s. And they started to sponsor a lot of our family members here from Panama. So growing up, this house oh. was just sort of this melting pot of family, extended family. A lot of them lived with us. My dad had other property that they lived in and he helped them get on their feet. And some of them would work for him until they got their own jobs or whatever. He put them through school. And then all of our friends in the neighborhood and our, you know, our school friends and everybody that we knew was always at our house. It was like the hub for everyone. You sound um, like us. That sounds like our yeah. family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So it was just exactly. such a wonderful experience. I just loved being there and I loved that everybody else loved being there. I mean, people got married at our house. Right. So, so I decided that I wanted to name something after that street and after that house. And um, I, love I that. did launch yeah. it and I put it out on Facebook and I was like, this is supposed to be Santa Ana. <laughs> out of the Woodworks. They were like, we remember Santa Ana. We remember being there, oh, parties, wow. all kinds of stuff. <laughs> so, um, so it's it's very special. So this is my baby. So this one is a medium to full-bodied red wine. You get okay. hints of vanilla, some cloves, cinnamon, a little white pepper on the finish. Um, Don't judge my champagne glass. <laughs> oh yeah, I told him he have he's had red wine in champagne glass, Paula. Um, <laughs> uh, once again, the <laughs> bachelor life. <laughs> I had I had I had we, wine glasses, but I have. We know what to get you for Christmas. Yeah, and give give me to me so I can put them hide them from my daughter, right. who makes them all disappear. 
Exactly. Well, you know what you could put in there, Kente? You could put in there um, a sparkling red, which I think I oh. might one of these days. Sparkling oh, red. that would be nice, Paul. I like that. Yeah, right? Wouldn't that be good? So I think yeah. that, might be, that might be coming down there. See? See? I inspired it. Look at yeah. that. Look at that. You thing. can name that one Paula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So with reds, the colors you're going to look for generally are going to be ruby or I mean that you described reds with is ruby, ruby or garnet, purple even, tawny, um, depending on what the, the varietal is. So this one I would say is a little bit more, it's got a little bit of tawny in it, but it's a little bit more of a, um, of a ruby. And mm -hmm. it's one thing I wanted to mention is when you swirl wine, a lot of times you'll see these lines coming yes. down from the side. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, so, so people call them different things. Some people call them tears. Some people call them, you know, teeth or whatever. But basically, it's it's the viscosity of the wine is showing up on the glass. And depending on how much alcohol is in the wine, the alcohol content, the heavier those tears will be and the longer they'll oh. take to fall. So that's really what you're seeing on the side of the glass is it's reflective of what the alcohol content is in it. And this one is 14.8% uh, alcohol. So getting a little closer to that 15. My first vintage was 15.1%. <laughs> oh yeah. So why did you change it? Why did you reduce it? Or did it just happen that way? The next vintage, it just, that's sort of how the alcohol content played out, you know? So okay. It was, it was different vintage of wine. And so it just, uh, it ended up being a lower alcohol content. So does it change? I wouldn't have particularly done that. <laughs> right. I was like, why? I was about to say, we were, we were old school. We don't play around. Just put the alcohol in there. Yeah, just put alcohol in there. <laughs> does, it, does it change with... Like people say, like that was a good year. Does the vintage change based on the grapes and the alcohol combination or chemistry? So what happens is every year, you know, it's a new harvest, right? A new harvest mm -hmm. of, of new grapes. So mm -hmm. things are going to be different based on you know what the the temperatures were like, like that year. If there was a lot of rain, if it was dry, if you know, I mean, we had a year just not that long ago where there's all those fires. So that's going to affect. Right. So a lot of those things come into play, and that's why each vintage is going to be different. It's consistent oh. because it's still coming from the same vineyard, the same vines. So it's very consistent. So you'll know, okay, this is still the same wine, but mm -hmm. it's not going to taste exactly like the year before. If it's oh. a, well, well, since this is our last glass and this is our first year anniversary, I think we should do a toast for this one. This is our last wine that we're tasting, and it's your first yes. one for Paula or Pierrell. Yes. But it's our celebration for our first year anniversary at What Sibling Rivalry podcast. Yes. Congratulations. Cheers to many more. Cheers to many more. Successes to all. Yes. Here's everyone who's out there. I have my chocolate. Do I pair my chocolate with this one, red? Well, the chocolate, so I was going to talk about that. Yes, for sure. Chocolate with red wine, Zin, is good um, with, you can do milk chocolates or dark chocolates. The thing sometimes with dark chocolates is they might, they might, um, fight a little bit with the red wine, with the tannin mm. in the red, red wine. So sometimes milk chocolate might be a little bit better, but since this is not a really heavy red, you could do a dark chocolate with it as well. And and they just pair nicely because a lot of chocolates have like little cinnamon and you mm. know they might have vanilla or something like that. And, that, and this one does too. The, the, this red wine has, 
hints of vanilla, hints of cinnamon, and all that good stuff. So mm -hmm. it's really good with uh, with uh, red wine. And just so you know, too, chocolates are great with like ports as well. Like we call oh. them late harvest wines. It means the, the the grapes have been left on the vines much longer, and that's the ports, the the um the sweet wines, right? Oh. So they're really good with those too. But you can absolutely do chocolates with. And it's also great with like beef brisket and steak and you know heavy pasta sauces and hamburgers. Like bread, the red zin is great with all the different things, so it'll pair very nicely. Right. Well, cheer, cheers, cheers, cheers. cheers. <laughs> That's my baby. So this is out of Dry Creek Valley, mm. and the other two, and the rose, the reasons out of Dry Creek, and the rose is out of Central Coast. Just so you all know. The, yeah. the, the Riesling, the, the Zinfandel is the first one I've had by you. And that's always to me like your signature. I love the way your, your, your uh, autograph is on the bottle and all of the way it presents. It's like, that's what I love to give for holiday gifts too, because it's just such a pretty, pre, it's a pretty presentation and it's a nice red. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. And I really feel like it's an easy going red. Like, you know, some people mm -hmm. who don't drink a lot of reds, they can still drink this and, and they like it. They enjoy it. It's yeah. not a big, bold cab that knocks you over the head that you have to really pair with something and you have to get used to. So I, I wanted to make it so that it was drinkable for, you know, everybody. Everybody. Oh, that's why I like your red. Because I'm, I'm not a red wine fan, but your red, your red Zinfandel is it's quite delicious. Well, thank you. <laughs> Indubitably. Indubitably. <laughs> to keep up with the latest on What Sibling Rivalry podcast, please subscribe to us on your favorite platform. On Apple Podcasts, click on the subscribe button. And please don't forget to leave us a review and rating. On Spotify, click on the follow button under our picture. And on Stitcher, Click on the plus sign under our picture. This will keep you up to date on all the fun and funny. And for people who are just joining us, we are having, we're with Paula Harrell of P. Harrell, Harrell Wines, and we're having a virtual wine tasting. And pharrellwines.com is where you can order. Can my aunt in Houston get your wine online, or how does that work? No, it's really easy. She can just go online, put in her information, and we'll ship it right out to her. So, you know, love you can it. ship anywhere. Mm -hmm. Perfect for the holidays, and, too, coming up. And today is Rosé Day, so you're, you, have, day. you have, you have your, what is your Rosé special for today? Well, my special for today is if you buy three bottles or more, you'll get 15% um, off of your purchase. If you purchase before 11.59 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Yes, and today is uh, make sure black today, folks be like. Well, I saw it next week, and uh, it's June, <laughs> it's July thirteenth, our anniversary. It's, yeah, it's June thirteenth. Well, June thirteenth. Sorry, somebody's been through three glasses already. <laughs> You're like, how do you me to get these dates right? <laughs> She's all in the future. It's it's September thirteenth. No, it's, like, it's not July. Well, well, is it? We're in quarantine. What's the day? I don't know. The Man, day. I don't yes. know what's tomorrow. That's true. I just roll. <laughs> yes, that is true. I, I look up like, wait, today is Saturday already? Who? Why? Why is it Saturday? Right. It makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> so we're delicious. having our virtual wine tasting because we're quarantined, but the party must still go on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we are pros at this. 
<laughs> so I exactly. want to also mention to everybody that we have a wine club. And so if anybody's interested, it's there's three different um, options. You can go to our website again, pharrellwines.com, and take a look at all the options. We do fun events for the wine club. And of course, now that we've been in quarantine, we've been doing lots of virtual events, wine trivia and wine movie night and things like that. So it's pretty fun. But we also have a lot of great things that we do throughout the year for the wine club members. Um, so. So and now that you the, do virtual, and now that you're doing virtual wine tasting, somebody could have that for their birthday. If they can't make it up to Napa right. or get to Napa, they could just zoom you in and have a virtual wine party for somebody's birthday. That would be lovely. That is exactly, lovely. and for people's companies too. I have a couple of businesses that they're doing wine tastings once a month for their uh, their employees. So they have, you know, everybody come in, they buy the wine in advance, we ship it and we do uh, a tasting. We're starting, well, I'm doing my first one in a couple of weeks for this company and now I've got a few other requests. So I'm really excited about it. Uh, well, it'll be your second your one now. It'll be yeah. my second it'll one. Your second. Yeah, it'll be your second one. Simply Rivalry was your first. I know. You never, I forget, you never forget your first. I don't know if any of the other ones are going to be as fun as this one, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, definitely not. Uh, yeah, no. yeah, definitely not. But yes, exactly. Exactly. So, so yes. Yeah, so the other thing, too, we're always about, you know, our family are, we're four generation entrepreneurs in our family. And so we're always about entrepreneurship. And we just want you to just share the, the, to inspire someone else on if they would have a desire to have their own wine label or have their own desire to do something else. But what would be your words of wisdom for someone interested in the wine business, uh, especially an African-American woman? So I would say to, first of all, talk to all of us that are in the, the African-American women and men that are in this industry. We're all very happy to share information, you know, to guide, to lead, to give you advice. Um, that's a really important thing because it's not, very easy to just figure it out on your own and even though i had a lot of people that i was able to speak to at the time they weren't of color um but they were helpful i think people in the wine industry across the board for the most part i've i've felt right. that they've always been very helpful um but i was trying to piece so many things together and the problem was that you know most wineries or, or people that are in the wine industry that have their own wine they've it's been passed down through generations. They have a, you know, a winery. They may have grew up, grown up there. They have this whole background and, this, and these systems that are in place. And that's what most people are accustomed to teaching others. Well, our systems are different. Most of us don't have wineries and we don't have brick and mortar spaces. So everything's very different. So I would say, you know, reach, I am happy for anybody to reach out to me to ask any questions. There's a lot of research that needs to happen. You have to make sure you really understand all the licensing, all the rules. There's a lot of rules mm -hmm. around what you can do, where you can sell, where you can pour, if you can do tastings. Um, it's really not something you just want to jump into and it can be a little bit capital intensive as well. So it's really important to get the business plan done in, in advance and make sure you have your financials really dialed in. You have all your questions answered. You've asked enough people to know what to expect because you're going to be putting out some money before you're going to be getting any money back for a while. Mm -hmm. And you have to be prepared for that. Um, and so I would say that's a really, really big piece of it. But also, you know, decide what you want to do with it. If you really want to make it a business, make sure you are very clear about what your marketing channels are going to be and how you're going to promote it, where you're going to sell it, and all of that in advance of spending all the money to start the label. Um, that, that, that's really, really important because it's a very competitive industry. 
you know, I've, I've relied a lot on relationships that I've built over very many years from having been an entrepreneur already. But if you don't have a big network or database of people, you have to really spend some time determining how you're going to get your product out there and how it's going to be unique compared to all the other product that's out there. So, um, again, we're all happy to talk to anybody who wants to go down this, this wonderful road of winemaking and uh, uh, reach out to us at info at Wines, or you can go to PuroWines.com and just fill out our contact form and we can help. We can refer you to all the other people in this industry, all the other African-Americans that are in this industry that would be happy to help. Um, and I, I think that's kind of the best way to go. And if it's not wine and it's something else you want to do, if you have a passion about something and you haven't done it yet, you have to just go do it. I mean, when my uncle said that and that light bulb went off in my head, I have to be honest, real estate investing and mortgage finance, I've always loved it, I'm good at it, it's great. But it, I never felt super passionate, like this is my life calling, you know? Mm -hmm. And so to me, when this happened and he said this to me and this light bulb went off, I felt like I didn't have a choice. Like, what am I here for? I'm here, I'm living this life to live my life fully. And if I don't go after this, no matter what it takes, then I'm cheating myself. So I feel like anybody out there who has a passion that they haven't gone out after, it might be scary, it might be difficult, it might be all of those things, but you just have to go after it because you know, what else, what are you waiting for? Like, what else are you going to do? You're going to stay in something that is unfulfilling and you're never really going to actualize the life you want if you're doing something you're not fulfilled. So I would also give that advice. Great. I think that's great advice. And this, and this quarantine and how life has just shifted overnight, I'm sure has had many people thinking about like, what is my purpose and how can yeah. I be more fulfilling in what I do? And am I pursuing my passion? And, you know, everything's not promised. So you might as well do what you're passionate about. And my mentor always told me, follow your passion and the rest will follow. Right, right, exactly. And we have extra time. I mean, people have to really think about that. You know, we might be watching a new movie on Netflix and doing all those things, which is fine, but take that extra time and, and really like jump into this craft or whatever it is that you're interested in because you don't have to commute to work. You don't have to, you know, do all these other things you would have had to have done right. before. Take that time for yourself and, and really build out whatever your passion is. Right. That's true. Well, we're excited and congratulations on four and a half years. Thank yes. you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you. And, and, and congratulations, you. brother. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. Congratulations yes. to you all for your one year anniversary. I'm so glad yes. I was here to share with you guys. Thank you for sharing that with us on our podcast. We are so excited. Yeah. Um, and it's about us sharing our family stories too and just telling people how we grew up, the Bay Area, our experiences mm -hmm. in Oakland, and then just relating it to what's happening now in the world. Right. I love it. I love it. That's excellent. And Shonda, it's also always what? What Sibling Rivalry Podcast is always all about love. We love yeah. you and we thank you for sharing your love with us. And um, here's to a great year and here's to many more years. Thank Cheers. you. Yes. I love you all too. Thank you so all. much for having me. Yes. Right, thank, you for thank you for joining us. Y'all don't forget to follow us on at What Sibling Rivalry Podcast on Instagram. Sign up on our YouTube channel, subscribe so you can catch all of this fun. Follow us, follow us, follow us. <laughs> Facebook and Apple, Apple Podcasts and Spotify too. Yes, everywhere. Look for us. We there. We go, we stay.